Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. This morning I'm wanting to talk to you about fresh bread. Because there's something about fresh bread, as you can smell right now, because it's literally baking in the oven as I speak, so that we can have some fresh bread together this morning. The Bible has a lot to say about fresh bread, and it's full of symbolism concerning fresh bread. And that's what I want to speak about this morning and I'm hoping that the fragrance, I'm going to have to make this a short sermon because you guys are going to be past it. We can smell it now. Marco, I believe. There's something about the smell of freshly baked bread that is homely, that is comfort. It's like, you wrap, like you're wrapped in a warm blanket. Estate agents will tell you that if you want to sell your home quickly, when you put it on show, make sure there's some bread in the oven because the fragrance of the bread fills the house and it makes it feel like a home. There's something about being together and eating bread together and breaking bread, that tactile sensation, the sounds, the, the textures in the mouth, the crust that's crispy, the soft inside. Last night we had some soup and we had rolls and they were nice and crispy on the outside and we broke them open and Really, we, the, the, kettle, the, 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 the soup is really just there for, for show. It's the bread that we're really after. And bread has, like I said, rich significance in the Bible. I'll go through just a few of them. First of all, bread symbolizes the divine gift of God's sustenance. When you read through the Scriptures, you see how many times this comes up, but probably nowhere more clearly than in the wilderness with, when, when God fed His people with manna. With manna from heaven. Moses fed them in the desert, and this manna fell every single night. And it was fresh every morning, to be gathered every morning. And you couldn't keep it another day, because if you did, it would ruin. It would spoil, except for the Sabbath. The, the day before the Sabbath, you could collect enough for two days, and then it wouldn't spoil. But this miraculous provision of God was something that every day needed to be collected. Almost as if every day we needed to partake of His kindness. Every day we needed to partake of His sustenance, of His generosity. Every day we needed to be reminded that His mercies are new, that His goodness is here for me today. And perhaps I doubted, and so I took too much, and so I've doubted just in case there's no mercy tomorrow, and I found that yesterday's mercy doesn't work today. It's ruined. That was for yesterday. You see, because bread is satisfying, it teaches us to be satisfied with what we have. No matter how rich or poor you are, there is something about bread that satisfies the soul. And likewise, there is something about our God and His provision and His sustenance that satisfies the soul. It reminds us of God in all things. The psalmist writes in Psalm 37, 25, I've been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. The presence of bread is a reminder and a picture of God's faithfulness. Something else that, the, that bread is, 
is symbolic of in the Bible is the presence of God. You know, in the, in the old tabernacle of meeting, they had the whole setup with the Holy of Holies where the presence of God dwelt, and they would worship God, but part of the whole, all the symbolism with the altar and the, the lavers and the Holy of Holies, part of it was the table of showbread. And at all times, once a week, every Sabbath, they would put out 12 new loaves, each loaf representing one of the 12 tribes of Israel. There was fresh bread in the presence of God. It represented, the loaves represented the covenant that God has made with the 12 tribes of Israel, the covenant of His presence, the covenant of His desire to be present with His people, the covenant that I will be your God and you will be my people. And the primary purpose of that table was to hold this bread of the presence, is what it was called. The bread of the presence. Or literally, if you want to take it directly from the Hebrew, the bread of the face. That is in the face, in the presence of God. And it was set before the presence of Yahweh. And the high priest and his family once a week would eat and eat of that bread in the presence of God. The table was a perpetual reminder of the intimate relationship that God shares with his people and desires for you and me. And it points us to Christ as the sustainer of that intimate fellowship that you and I now enjoy with God the Father. So we've seen bread symbolize a sustenance, that which we need to survive, that which we need to go, and, and you know, on our, every single day, it's fresh every day, symbolizes the presence of God with us at all times. We see in the Bible that bread symbolizes the person of Jesus Christ. And we know that well every time we have communion. Jesus said of himself in John 6, verse 48 to 50, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This bread which comes down from heaven, sorry, this is the bread that comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. So he says, I am the bread of life. And so if we conjure up these ideas of the presence of God, if we conjure up the ideas of the, the sustaining hand of God, the creator, we look to Jesus. He is the epitome of all those things. And we know that he was broken for us, just as one would break bread. Matthew 26, 26, Jesus, at the Last Supper, as they were eating, he took bread, blessed, and broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body given for you. In other words, I, I want you to partake of me. The bread is symbolic. That's why we still do communion today. The bread is symbolic of our partaking in the life of Jesus and in the covenant that is won by his blood, which is why we do the bread and the wine. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. This is Paul after his revelation saying, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. Simple bread. Something so common, something we all take for granted, simple bread. And he broke it for one purpose, 
to share it. And that's something else that bread symbolizes in the Bible. Sharing and fellowship. When Jesus multiplied the bread to feed the crowds, his bread became a sign of sharing. It pointed to his brokenness on the cross. It pointed to that communion moment when it was broken. But really what it is, is he's sharing bread, but ultimately he's sharing his life. He's sharing his power. He's sharing his grace in those moments, whether he was feeding the 5,000 or feeding the 4,000. He fed so liberally that there was leftovers. I love in the story how they say that after Jesus fed the 5,000s, the disciples collected 12 baskets worth of leftovers. So Jesus didn't just supply enough, he supplied more than enough to feed over 5,000 men alone. We don't know how many women and children were there. Can we assume maybe 15,000 people, maybe more, from five loaves and two fish? And I love, like I said, the fact that there were 12 baskets gathered up. It's almost as if Jesus made sure there was a basket for each one of the disciples that was filled. And all of them were looking at these scraps thinking, 12, five loaves, two fish. And each of them had to carry this basket full of five loaves and two fish and all that was left over that came from just so little. The abundance of sharing, the abundance of life that came from so little put into the hands of Jesus. And bread reminds us of that. In some ways, bread compels us to share with those we love because we know that what we don't consume will become stale and moldy. It almost compels us to share it because we know that if we don't, it will be wasted. Just like the manna. If we pick up too much, it's wasted. We might as well just have what we need. But when it comes to the bread, we know that we have not just what we need, but we have enough to share. We have enough to give. Bread reminds us of this. It reminds us of the blessing of God. It reminds us of abundance in the simplest little things. Bread. You know, because there's some that don't even have bread. But you see, Jesus didn't only feed the crowds with bread and with fish. He also fed them with the Word of God. And this is also one of the mighty symbols of bread within the Bible. John 1 verse 1 and verse 14 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word, in verse 14, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the gl the glory as of the begot only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And here we see the bread again as Jesus, Jesus himself. Jesus as the Word of God. And this wonderful idea of the Word of God, we understand it to mean Jesus, but so much more today I think we understand and we ought to understand the Word of God to mean his spoken word to you and to me spoken through the life of Jesus, demonstrated through his life. But yet not just something we look back on as something that happened that God spoke, but the very word of God that continues to speak to us, whether he speaks to us through the written word, whether he speaks to us by his spirit, when he makes the word come alive in us, it's that spoken word of God that is bread to your soul, to my soul. 
that is nourishment and sustenance to our spirits. You see, if you think about it, the Word of God epitomizes those other symbolisms we've already mentioned. It epitomizes divine gift of sustenance for your spirit and for your soul. He sustains us through His Word, keeps us on track, fills us, encourages us, nourishes our spirit man. The Word of God is the presence of God. As soon as I open it and I begin to partake of it, I am partaking of the presence of God. I am in the presence of God. I am assimilating the person of Jesus Christ as I delve into His Word. And there it is again, the person of Jesus whom we get to partake of. The Word of God also, as I enjoy it, reminds me of sharing. Because in it, God is sharing Himself with me and he is giving me life with, that I can share with others. Jesus put it this way. Freely you have received. Freely, freely give. Matthew 4 verse 4 says this. This is Jesus speaking. He said to them, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds... From the mouth of God. That is what enables us to come alive spiritually. That is what invigorates our spirit man and our souls. The message says it beautifully. Jesus answered by quoting Deuteronomy, It takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream of words from God's mouth. A steady stream of words from God's mouth. You see, like bread... The Word of God is meant to be enjoyed fresh, daily. Teaching His disciples how to pray, we know. How did Jesus teach His disciples to pray? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Not give us this day our bread for the week. There is the idea that daily, just like the people of Israel had to go and gather the manna for themselves every single day, because that's when it was fresh, that's when it could be ground up, that's when it could be baked into beautiful loaves of bread. So likewise, daily, we need to spend time in the Word of God, allowing it to nourish us, that it may sustain our faith, that it may sustain our joy in the Lord. What happens when we don't partake of the bread? We become weak. We become disillusioned. We lack vision. We don't understand. We lack patience. Why? Because we haven't partaken of the grace that we need every single day. And here, what do I mean? I don't just mean that I've read my Bible, although that is good, and we should do that every single day. We're talking about that place of intimacy where Jesus speaks into our hearts that we know we've heard from the Lord this morning. We've been able to open our hearts and communicate worship and love and affection to Him and open our hearts to receive from Him our daily bread, our daily spoken word. Give me today your word, Lord Jesus, your affirmation, your instruction, your wisdom, afresh, because I can't walk on yesterday's word. It's already grown stale. 
You know what I'm talking about because I don't know about you, but I've sat in these pews on a Sunday morning where God has touched and moved my heart powerfully. I've made confessions, declarations, promises, and I find come Monday morning, it's already stale. Haven't you found the same? It's already stale. Sometimes it's already moldy. What do I need? I need fresh bread. I need to reaffirm those declarations and those statements of faith. I need to bring myself into His presence again and hear that word over me again that I may be reinvigorated. Give us this day our daily bread. Every day needs to be needed. Every day proved. I don't need the Word of God in my heart. I need to give it time to prove. In other words, to rise. We've got to put it through testing in the oven, in the heat, so that I can be broken and shared. Just like we need fresh daily sustenance for natural energy and vitality, so too we need daily fresh spiritual sustenance for spiritual energy and vitality. And what I'm wanting to remind you of this morning is just the simplicity of this act. Why? I think sometimes we forget how simple this ought to be. We overcomplicate things. And we make spending time in the presence of God another one of our daily chores that needs to be ticked off. Eating is never a chore, is it? Certainly not for me. They say some people eat to live, other people live to eat. I fall probably more to the latter than the former. There is a perpetual invitation to you to come and sit and dine and break bread with Jesus. To partake of Him, in Him, with Him, by Him, and through Him. To receive a word, His word, fresh sustenance. If you are still trying to do your daily things with words that you heard years ago, folks, it's dry. No one wants your bread. It's stale. Would you like some bread? Oh, I'm going to break my teeth on that. That's why sometimes we, we, when we try and give ourselves to people, it's hard. It's like somebody throwing a hard loaf of bread at you. It's hard. It's stale. It's crusty. Other times it's gone off. Our attitudes have gone off. They're moldy. You see, Jeremiah 29, verse 11 to 13 says this, I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Let's pause there for a moment. God has wonderful thoughts for you. You need them. And we need them daily. What is your thought for me today? What is your thought for me in this moment? Because I'm aware of your presence and I want to partake of you. And we often quote the scripture to, you know, to, to encourage people. God's got a wonderful plan for your life. And we say it almost in such a way as if to say, so don't worry about it, just keep going and he'll reveal it to you. 
No, this call is an invitation. I have a wonderful plan to your life because the very next verse he says, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. This verse is an invitation to come to the table and partake for all those who are hungry. Folks, if you're not hungry, you're not coming to the table. One of the travesties of our time is that we are so full of other things. You know, in our house, we have a rule. We've got two little girls, one of them with an exceptionally sweet tooth. In fact, she's got sweet teeth. Her whole mouth is full of them. And we have to set rules in place. And after said, no, you can't have pudding before supper. It's half past, it's quarter to six, and now you're, no, after supper. You have to get the good stuff in first. And yet so many of us go through life living on junk food. It's stuff that is sweet. Listen, junk food tastes so good. It wouldn't be appealing if it didn't. We love our Coke and our hamburgers and our chocolates and our sweets and our treats. We love our bread. For some of us, bread actually is the issue. Our gluten and our carbs. We love all of these things. Our pasta, that, oh, some lasagna. And so what happens is we, we, we eat all of these things and so our spiritual appetites are satisfied by that which does not truly satisfy in other words, we keep getting hungry and we keep needing more and more and more. That's why social media is so addictive. I'm going to post something out there so that I can get some kind of affirmation. And the more I get, the more I want. And the more I want, the more I try. And so I'm striving to live for affirmation. I'm striving to get the next fix. And it's amazing. It makes me feel good. It's the dopamine hit in the moment. But I need it again and again and again because it doesn't truly satisfy it's like the manna that was eaten. It ate and it filled the gap for a while, but it never truly satisfied. But the Word of God, the bread of heaven, Jesus said, satisfies us to the point where we, we don't hunger for anything else. How many of us have had that kind of encounter with Jesus where an experience with Him delivers us from our hunger for anything else? That's the table Jesus invites you to. That's Psalm 23 talk, the parable of the good shepherd. Verse 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. This is the partaking of his bread that both births and sustains our faith when we partake in His presence, when, he, when we allow Him time to speak into our hearts. Romans 10, 17, one of the verses we, we're so familiar with. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Our ability to hear the voice of God comes by the Word of God, the person of Jesus. Not just this written stuff. Faith doesn't come by reading the Bible. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? That spoken word of Jesus as he makes this Bible come alive to me. That's what true faith is. 
It's believing something that somebody said because of who it is that said it. And as I'm sitting at his table in his presence and I'm partaking of him and I'm allowing him to speak into my life and say whatever it is that I need to hear, whatever it is that is on his heart, you know, faith is not something we muster. Faith is something we walk in. The just shall live by faith. They live by it. It's something we live by. It's not something we strive to. It's something that comes very naturally from knowing that we know that we know that we know we have heard God speak. And I've heard what God has to say about my situation, about my soul, about this circumstance in my life. And because I know that it came from Him, I know that it's true. So I can stand on it. I can bet my life on it. I can take it to the bank, as they said back in the days of old. You see, faith does not come by having heard. We cannot walk the life of faith on yesterday's bread, on yesterday's word. Think of walking. What does walking entail? Steps. 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 Sometimes it's slow. Most of us just try to walk so quickly because we're trying to get to something else. We don't even realize that walking in itself is a step, a repetitive step-by-step process. Every step of which should be a step of faith. I trust you here. You're giving me this ground. Your grace is sufficient for me. You will provide all my needs. You go before me. You come behind me. You are watching over me. You are here among me. You never leave me nor forsake me. You see my heart. You know my thoughts. You know my anxieties. You are faithful. Your word is true. It is unchanging. I can depend on you. You are my rock. You are my salvation. You are the bread of life. You are my joy. It's not easy to walk. It's not hard to walk in faith, is it? You are my peace. You bless me with your love. Your presence is here within my heart. That's what it means to walk by faith. Simple steps, revelation after revelation, line upon line, precept after precept. Now, some of us can only walk three steps of faith in terms of the analogy that I just gave you because we only have three true, deep revelations of God. That's enough to stand on. That's enough to walk in. Because you know why? You can repeat them over and over again. You're still faithful. You're still faithful. You're still faithful. And over there you're faithful. And over here you're faithful. And we can walk in faith by the spoken words of God. But you know what? You're going to have to leave this place today and you're going to go into a family situation. You're going to go into a workplace situation. You are dealing with a financial situation, a relational situation. 
You're dealing with a situation where you need help and hope and wisdom for tomorrow. And God wants you to take every step into that situation as a step of faith, knowing that you have heard the word, that you are not walking blind hoping Jesus is going before you, but that you have taken the time to sit and be in his presence and partake of the bread that gives life. Life to your faith, life to your soul, life to your circumstances and your situation. There is no substitute for this. No sermon can do this for you. No word of encouragement can do this for you. To come and sit and enjoy and partake of the person of Jesus, one-to-one, intimately. There is no substitute. And also, there is nothing more important. This is more important than our jobs. It's more important than our spouses. It's more important than our children. It's more important than our sleep. It's more important than anything else. Because without it, we have no life. We're trying to do spirituality on old, stale revelations. And it doesn't work. So this morning, I, want to, I pray that you are hearing from the heart of God this morning an invitation to come and sit at the table and partake of the bread of life as He longs to draw near to you and reveal His heart over you and His heart for you. There is truly no substitute for this. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30 from the Message Bible, Jesus says this, Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Are you feeling burdened? Is the pressure... You see, it's not the pressure from the outside that overwhelms us, folks. It's the void on the inside. There's a verse, I'm not sure if it's in Isaiah or in Proverbs, that says, if you faint in the day of adversity... Your strength is small. It never mag- God never magnifies adversity because there is no adversity for Him. And He calls us to come, to live freely and lightly in Him, to partake of the bread of His presence. Would you stand with me? We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, Come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.